0: Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open The Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a relationship, dating, and sex coach based in Kansas City who just loves to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. Be warned, you should be 18 and over and probably be listening with your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. My guest today is someone who was introduced to me because of both of our desires to build a more sex-positive community. Marcel Wilson is an aspiring sex and relationship coach who practices polyamory. We discussed what that means and really also about how there's a lot of nuances and and polyamory and non-monogamy are not one size fits all. Different people practice that lifestyle in different ways. So we discussed some of the different aspects that different people practice. I also learned a new term called ambiamoris. We also talked about how much we love our city, the arts community that's here, as well as how thriving the LGBT community is. You know, we just got to gush about Kansas City a little bit. Enjoy the show. Well, Marcel, thank you so much for being here today. I'm honored to have you as one of my first guests on the podcast.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: So can you give our audience just a little introduction, a little bit about yourself?
1: Yes, so I have a background in massage therapy and sex therapy and right now I'm actually in the process of creating a practice that's being uh, conducted in London and it's called Psychosexual Somatic therapy lovely, and essentially it's uh, a wonderful modality that has combined sex therapy and traditional cognitive and psycho- psychological mm-hmm. therapy and combined it into one with a body work portion as well yes. so it's just it's just way ahead of its time it's still illegal, unfortunately, to practice here in the States, but Mm -hmm. we're hoping over the next few decades or so that that will change. Yeah. So that's where I'm uh, at as far as my career. And then right now I am working as a program coordinator with kids uh, here in Kansas City.
0: Very cool. Yeah. (laughs) So we met because actually another sex coach here in town Mm -hmm. introduced us. And the first time that Marcel and I went out for coffee, we just immediately hit it off because yes. finding other people in this community who are as sex positive as we are is a little bit challenging.
1: It is a little bit difficult on the Bible Belt, yes. but you know.
0: But you know what? We, we find each other, right? We can smell our own. Exactly. <laughs> so. you, we,
1: the eye contact definitely, like you see them and you lock and you're like, wait, are you, are we? Let's yes. sit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> good. Well, and... I was very drawn to you because of your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, for a listener, my listeners, um, Marcel is in a polyamorous relationship. Well, relationships, I should say. Yes. He follows the polyamorous lifestyle. So yes, I, I do. In. So, but the thing about polyamory, as as I'm educating myself and mm-hmm. understanding more about it, there's so many ways that you can be "quote unquote" polyamorous. Yes. And it's just fascinating to me. So. Mm. I actually want to do like a series of of shows with a few polyamorous folks so that I can get multiple perspectives. Okay. So today I want to find out more about how you discovered polyamory, kind of what your relationship structure is like with your partners and just what, you know, what you feel like people should know. So let's start off with how old were you when you first learned about polyamory?
1: That's a great question. So I first discovered or had my first encounter with polyamory in 2015. And that was actually the first year I moved to Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Um, I was feeling excited and I was single. And so I was doing my single thing. And the wonderful app Tinder was very useful in twenty fifteen for all of all of those endeavors, and I came across a current partner of mine now actually, who she introduced me to Polly.
0: Uh-huh. We
1: went on the date, and she was very upfront and honest, and she said, "Hey, I'm polyamorous, just so you know, and don't be freaked out, but my partner is here." Okay. And she's like, he's the giant gentleman sitting a few tables away.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I, she, but she introduced it in such a, a kind, just straightforward, genuine way. Uh-huh. Um, and me being the very open-minded person that I was, I was like, that's amazing. What is this? What's happening? And he even eventually came over to the table in the middle of the date. And I talked to him and we talked about what, the, what was happening and what the relationship structure was. Wow. And I ended up going home with her that night. With wow. his blessing. Nice. <laughs> there you go. Got yeah. It. So that was my first experience with it, and after that, it kind of got the gears turning, and mm-hmm. I I started thinking about the fact that before that encounter, I had only been in monogamous relationships, mm-hmm. and I thought about my behavior in monogamous relationships mm-hmm. and how I, there was always that that feeling of needing. Other styles of relationships, other other relationships that brought some different value to my life. Yeah. And in traditionally monogamous relationships, you find that a lot of the restrictions that... I don't like to use the word restrictions. A lot of the um, agreements that are put in place when it comes to monogamy are usually emotional support. Things like physical support, sexual support are kept within the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I found that I needed things like emotional support. I Mm -hmm. needed things like learning about new people. And it wasn't necessarily the sexual aspect of my relationship that I was dissatisfied with. Mm -hmm. It was the lack of new people. Yeah. The lack of experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And so once I started thinking about the fact that monogamy may not work for me, I was just introduced to this really interesting, crazy lifestyle of this person I just met. And, Over the next two years from that point, I decided that I was not going to get into a relationship. I was going to just set my boundaries and say, I'm going to stay Mm single-ish and just see what happens with these relationships. And the partner that is still a current partner of mine now, who introduced me to polyamory, She walked me through how to handle a lot of the relationships of of partners I have now. Like, I'd Mm -hmm. be going on first dates, and she'd walk me through, hey, here's how you should handle this, or Ah, here's how uh I would introduce the topic. And she was very much a mentor of entering into the polyamorous community. Took
0: you under her wing.
1: Absolutely took me under her wing. Like, hard took me under her wing. She used the word grooming, I'm pretty sure, (laughs) during a conversation. (laughs) So she she was very overt about the fact that I'm helping you here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was much needed help because I think given the mindset I had with monogamy and the ex- expectations I had with relationships, I needed someone to tweak my expectations mm-hmm. moving forward.
0: I like what you're saying there. I want to come back to that. So yeah. real quick for people who might not be familiar with what polyamorous really means. I mean, I think a lot of people understand that it's, it's kind of the opposite, or it's a, it's juxtaposed to monogamy. Yes. But how would you define polyamory?
1: That's actually a, a very good question. Yeah, so I would define polyamory as allowing yourself and everyone in your immediate environment to pursue the things that are going to make them the happiest. And I say that with also knowing that there is the consent of everyone involved. Mm-hmm. It's not a one person doesn't have the information of what's going on with me. With all of my partners, everyone is always aware of who I'm with, what I'm doing, and what's going to be happening. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially the only way that this ever works is having that open and honest communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Very good.
0: So when you mentioned that that previous partner had kind of helped you work through some of the things about. That weren't working for you with monogamy. What, yes. what were some of those things that you just were like, you know what? I know this is kind of what society's taught me, mm-hmm. what my family's taught me, whatnot, but it's not working. Like what wasn't working for you?
1: Uh, a big aspect of monogamy that did not work for me was the emotional support. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of monogamous relationships, you will find that emotional support generally stays between the people in the relationship. Yeah. And it's sometimes, in certain situations or certain uh, relationships, it's seen as cheating if mm-hmm. you find emotional support outside of the relationship. And yeah, I the emotional that.
0: emotional affair, right? Yes, yes, yeah.
1: yes. He didn't physically cheat, but... But, man, he
0: talked about things that he didn't talk about with me or, yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And I found that when partners found out that I opened up about something to someone outside of our relationship, I, it was met with aggression. It mm-hmm. was met with, um, I did something wrong. And that, for me, always felt wrong, but because it was such a cultural norm, Mm -hmm. I just assumed that, okay, my expectations or what I needed, needed to change.
0: Well, and especially for our society, when you're getting emotional support from someone of the opposite sex, Mm -hmm. if you were saying the exact same things to just your best friend who is a man, there wouldn't be an issue. Exactly. But monogamy has trained so many people to believe that sharing your heart and sharing whatever... With someone who you could maybe possibly be sexually interested in Mm -hmm. just because they're the opposite sex. Exactly. That that there's something wrong with that. That you should only be sharing those things or saying those things with your partner because that woman is not your partner.
1: Exactly. That's kind of bullshit. Yeah. Oh, absolute bullshit. Because of the suggested intimacy or potential intimacy that could take place because of opening up emotionally, it's completely taken off the table so there's Mm -hmm. no threat. Yeah. And it didn't work for me. And that was just one of the things about monogamy that didn't work for me. I am a highly sexual person. <laughs> I enjoy it a mm-hmm. lot, and so high five. High five <laughs> and I was always stifled mm-hmm. by the fact that you can't control when you feel sexual energy for someone else when you meet them, and while you can't control that, you can control how you react to that energy.
0: Right,
1: and. I'm sorry. As a human being who has feelings and emotions that just happens, monogamy is too restricting. Polyamory allows me to still experience the the beautiful intimacy of a sexual relationship with someone outside of my primary relationship, and guess what? Those sexual experiences enhance not only my life but my other relationships because I can go back to them and be like, "Guess what I just experienced mm-hmm. and what we're going to try <laughs> for like the next two weeks." <laughs> So they, it. it very much compounds on top of each other. And so the sexual freedom, the emotional freedom, essentially the freedom to have relationships the way that I want in polyamory is something that was so much more appealing than the monogamy structure yeah. of doing things. Yeah. Yep.
0: So after you started getting into the poly lifestyle, mm-hmm. what, what were some of the pitfalls, what were some of the, the good ways that you found to talk about Polly, lifestyle with people like especially on first dates like how do you really open up that conversation on a first date with somebody or even before a first date like when do you really start talking to somebody about like hey i'm poly
1: that's a tough question to answer because it's it depends on variables yeah um I, for me personally immediately mm-hmm. um i have found that with such a I don't want to say niche community because the community is very much growing. Right. Um, but with an alternative. Surprisingly, so in
0: Kansas City, there's a lot of open and poly people here.
1: Very open and poly people here, and the communities are wonderful. Yeah. Like absolutely wonderful. Um, but I would say, ooh, what was the question?
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you first tell people about that you're that you are a poly?
1: Yes, immediately. I tell people on the first date if I can, or beforehand. Mm-hmm. I like to tell people on the first interaction, whether it's in person or over some type of uh, phone or social media, mm-hmm. this is my lifestyle. I have four active partners right now, and this is, where, this is what we do. This is how we work. And I generally find that people in the monogamous community or people who generally identify as straight, and these, this is not overarching, this is just based on my experiences, are not very open to that. Um, And it's simply based on maybe what they've heard or their experiences with it themselves. I never hold it or I never take it personally. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would always, always suggest if you can and you feel comfortable, immediately is better. Mm -hmm. As soon as possible so you can get the conversation started. Because the last thing you want is to connect with someone and you have a really awesome time on a first date or second date or third date. And then... You have to tell them that you're mm-hmm. not monogamous and everything falls apart. Yeah,
0: and because they're like, I'm monogamous and, and I don't want that. And for myself, I have really come to see that it is, it isn't an orientation, but it's almost like an orientation that people, yes, can open their mind to polyamory, but mm-hmm. there kind of already has to be something in them. It's not like they're going to be like completely monogamy all the way and then all of mm-hmm. a sudden, like, yeah, I'm just gonna be poly now. It's not just like a decision. It really is sort of, it's a lifestyle. It's a mindset. There's there's a lot more to it. Like yes, it's a relationship structure, but it's it's so much more. So I think for a lot of people who just happen to be oriented towards monogamy, mm-hmm. socialized, whatever it may be, like they're just polyamory is so far outside of the realm of what they have been taught is is okay exactly. and what's acceptable, mm-hmm. and just the idea of like sharing your partner. It's yes. just so foreign that a lot of people just clam up about it.
1: Exactly. Or taboo. Mm-hmm. In Very some taboo. situations, it's so foreign or scary that they can't. And in other situations, they've just heard or seen people and how they were treated for mm-hmm. being in lifestyles like that. And that's another reason why mm-hmm. they just don't even want to broach the subject.
0: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So... Can you tell me a little bit about what, what's your lifestyle kind of like right now? Like, where, where are you at with partners and, and all that stuff? Whew. As long as they're okay with talking about absolutely. that. Absolutely. I don't want to ask you to talk about anything they're not okay with. Oh, that.
1: yeah. Absolutely. Um, My life is, again, very unique poly situation. Because
0: I want you to talk about it because everyone's poly situation is totally different. Absolutely. You, you get to be in charge of... Designing your relationship structure in poly. And that's yes. one of the beauties of it. But mm-hmm. again, since everyone's experience is so different, like I want to hear about how, how it kind of evolved into this point.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So I read an amazing book when I, uh, over the two years that I was being introduced to polyamory, I read a book called The Ethical, Ethical Slut. Yes. I love that book so much. Yes, <laughs>
0: yes. Ethical Slut is a fantastic book for anybody thinking about open or poly relationships.
1: Yes, Yes. please, please, please add it to the Amazon wish list. (laughs) Anyway, so I read that book and they talked about a relationship structure that I'd never heard of before and it was called relationship anarchy. Okay. And me being the rebel that I am, I was like, oh my goodness, I cannot wait to see what this definition is. (laughs) And essentially, relationship anarchy is a form of non-monogamy where you place as few rules as possible on all of your relationships. Okay. Okay. And the reason that, that uh, I'm attracted to that is because I have found in the past that when you start to set too many rules, and again, this is my experience, when too many rules were placed on the relationship, the relationship turned into what those rules were and not what it could turn into.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: So and it restricted it too it, much. Absolutely. It restricted the relationship to the point where the relationship stopped growing. hmm And with polyamory and the fact that relationship anarchy allows you to just literally, not literally do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I have very, very extensive conversations about what's allowed with my partners, about what to expect, about what we are okay with Mm -hmm. um, as far as my behavior and what I do with other people. Um, But again, I have met some wonderful polyamorous people. My partners are amazing and they also understand that We're human beings that you meet someone. You're going to feel feelings. The last thing that you want to be thinking about when you meet someone new is, my partner doesn't want me talking to this person. My partner wouldn't agree with what's happening right now. Our relationship structure with all four of my partners is so amazing because I get to sit down on a Tuesday night, and if I haven't seen my partner in a few days, and they tell me they've gone on a date, I get just as, as excited as they are about all the details of that date. And I get to sit down and go over how did, how did it go?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What were the exciting points? What were the low points? Did you guys bang it out? What did you do? <laughs> did that let me know what happened. And we have these wonderfully in-depth conversations. And while we're having these conversations, I realize that I'm not talking to a girlfriend or a boyfriend. I'm talking to a literal life partner who is having life experiences outside of our relationship that are making them so incredibly happy that watching their happiness is bringing me happiness and to me that is the epitome of what a perfect poly lifestyle should look like it's loving your partners for who they are and celebrating with them and also mourning with them or grieving with them when life calls for it Mm -hmm. it's it's literally just experiencing life and doing life together it's great
0: That's fantastic. That's such a great explanation of it. And, you know, again, not everybody's cut out for it. But I have several people in my life who are poly. Mm -hmm. And and I've watched some of them kind of go into that journey since Mm -hmm. we've been friends. And I got to tell you, the friends that have entered into the poly lifestyle... They're so much happier now.
1: So much happier. They're
0: so much happier now. You see it on their face. Yes. You see it on their
1: body language.
0: And I like what you said about you get different things from different partners. Esther Perel, huge fan of her. Mm. And, and that's something that she talks about is, you know, in modern love, we're really trying to rely upon that one person to be everything for us. They need to right. be our best friend, our lover, our confidant, the sounding board, all of it. Right. We're trying to make them one vessel. Mm-hmm. And that's just not possible. It's
1: impossible. It used to
0: be the village that we got different things from. So it's almost like polyamory is going back to that village mindset of you get your buckets filled in different ways from different people.
1: Absolutely. And
0: that's okay even in a romantic setting. Yes. We've gotten to the point where like, yeah, we're okay with friendships giving us different things, but not everyone's okay with romance and a romantic relationship giving you different things.
1: Exactly. So, and I kind of
0: admire people in the poly lifestyle.
1: Oh, absolutely. I admire people who are in a relationship structure that works for them.
0: Right. Because
1: exactly. I sometimes worry that You know, and there are some people who identify as poly and you hear that, like, pretentious tone in their voice, like, I have reached the next level. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm poly, thank you very much, and I know relationships. No, if monogamy works for you, that's wonderful. I have noticed, however, that this country is focused on behaviors and monogamy that would be classified as toxic monogamy. Let's talk about
0: that,
1: yeah. Toxic monogamy is completely different from a thriving, healthy, monogamous relationship. Yes. Um, if And trust me, I, I'm sure if people have heard the term toxic monogamy, they probably know some of the things that go along with the behaviors. You'll notice in a toxic monogamous relationship, if your partner doesn't want you to have other relationships outside of that relationship and you're dying to do that, that's probably a sign of. Even
0: friendships, right? Even
1: friendships, mm-hmm. not even not even kind romantic partners. The
0: isolation. That yes. When a partner is trying to isolate the other partner.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You can't talk to the other guy. You can't be around them. I don't wanna see you, you hanging out with, with them. them. You can't be
0: adding them on Facebook.
1: Exactly. Why are Who's you talking to them on in Facebook? India. Exactly. <laughs> Why he liking your page so much? Uh huh. Uh huh. He's
0: liked your last five pictures What the fuck? What
1: well, the fuck? Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. Heart. <laughs> I see it all the time, and then you see the comments on Facebook too. It's hilarious. Anyway, oh, I love creeping and looking at all the toxic monogamy stuff. It's fantastic. Anyway, um, but there, there very much are those behaviors that you find, and you'll also see behaviors like let's say that you want to plan a trip with your friends, and your all of your friends are females except for one, mm-hmm. and your friends or your partner says. You can go on that trip, but only if such and such doesn't go. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but who are you to dictate how your partner spends their free time away from you with their other friends?
0: That's also showing a lot of uh, lack of trust. That's jealousy creeping right in. That very possessive love. Yes. I think that's also a part of toxic monogamy is the the very possessive nature that some people... Huge uh, exhibit when they're monogamous. So. Exactly. I, I myself am just now starting to explore non-monogamy.
1: Okay. This is my
0: I'm I'm dating somebody. We've been together for about three months now. Okay. And uh, I've been single for three years, basically. So I I decided. I, well, I we say to,
1: single, but I say
0: not committed. What not not committed at all. There, there we was go. you know plenty of sex, plenty of friends with benefits, right. plenty of. I had a nice rotation going.
1: There you go. Got to get um, that good rotation going, rotation. man. There's nothing yeah. like it. Oh.
0: Especially when you got to keep a calendar to keep them all straight. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> that's when you're doing it right, girl. That's right. Now. That's right. That's harem level. Um, <sighs> oh, someday. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've I've cut back on the rotation, and I'm focusing on one person more than others. Okay. But yeah, this is my first time telling somebody, like, I like you, I want to see where this goes. I want to grow this relationship, but i if monogamy is what you're looking for, I don't know if I can give that to you. And he was like, uh, I, I was actually going to talk to you about how I didn't think I could be monogamous either. Oh. And so it was oh. nice because we just opened that conversation up really quickly. I mean, it was within, within the first three weeks of us seeing each other. That That's said, perfect. I cannot give you monogamy. I have failed at it so many times before. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I want to go down that path again. Right. I don't really know what I what I want as far as a relationship structure, but I certainly know what I don't want. Exactly. I try not to frame things and like, I know what I don't want, but at the same time, when you're trying to explore, sometimes you do have to frame it as like, I think I want these things, but I know I certainly will not tolerate this behavior. I will not go through this again. I won't do this to you either. Yes. Because I've even been a part of that toxic monogamy. I've fallen into some of those behaviors because I was told, Mm -hmm. conditioned, Conditioned. socialized, that... This is how things are. This is how you're supposed to do it. This is, you know, monogamy is the only way.
1: Yeah, and according to our culture, it mm-hmm.
0: is. Yeah, yeah, and it, it doesn't uh, it doesn't work for everybody. It's it doesn't. really doesn't.
1: And that's amazing that you were able to open that up with your partner right now. And you said within the first three weeks, yeah, you were able to surprisingly like, hey, we're both on the same page. Right? Let's see where this goes. Yeah, how excited! Like I that. I don't know how often that happens, but girl good for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's see how it goes. It's going I mean it's going well so far. It, there's certain um, things we have not encountered yet, but I did check in with actually last week. I checked in with him okay. and said, "You know, I had one of my guys come back and say, uh, Raven. <laughs> okay. I kind of miss you." All mm-hmm. that stuff and I was like, "You know, I'm not asking your permission. I but I do want to check in with you and just make sure are we still good? Like we're saying I love you at this point, okay. so like that was a little shift. I want to make sure that now that we've said that, that nothing changed. Gotcha. I didn't think it would, and and it didn't. And it he didn't. was like, yeah, and, and you don't need my permission. I was like, thank you, I appreciate that. And again, I'm not necessarily it's not a permission thing. It's just a, or we're still on the same page
1: exactly. Thing. I and think, we were, so. And it's beautiful. I think it's honestly a sign of mutual respect. It is a I value our relationship enough to be completely transparent and let you know what's going on with me Mm -hmm. so that you aren't blindsided by anything. Because the last thing that anyone wants in a non-monogamous relationship is to feel like they can't trust the person because that is the foundation of being in a non-monogamous relationship. If your partner does not trust you to go out and make the decisions that are going to keep you safe and your relationship safe, how are they ever going to feel secure with you doing anything right. in the relationship structure?
0: Right. And, and that was something that I talked with him about is, you know, of course, if and when we go out and have another partner, we'll, of course, you know, mm-hmm. use condoms, safe sex practices, and, and also be mindful of who we choose to kind of let in. You exactly. Know? Um, the one partner that I did you know, let back in mm-hmm. on the side, I was like, you know, the only reason I told him to. The only reason I'm here with you is because mm-hmm. I know that you are an adult. Mm-hmm. You are not going to try and fuck with anything that I've got going on.
1: Mm-hmm. You will not
0: stir the pot or cause drama. Better like, not. what you and I have is completely separate from what my partner and I have. And I know you'll respect that. Yes. Otherwise, I never would have gone back and seen him again.
1: Exactly. And that is the level of self respect that I would love to see more of in the polyamorous community. I think that there are very much, uh, and this is, this is spans not just in polyamory, but all relationship structures, is setting your boundaries and respecting your boundaries. Mm-hmm. And if one of those is if you're going to be in a relationship with me and that relationship also involves another relationship with a partner of mine, you need to understand that what you do and what you say to me and about my partner affect me. Mm -hmm. and if you're not respecting that you won't be a part of my life yeah and it's as simple as that it really is and it's hard don't get me wrong it's crazy hard to do yeah and it's taken years of practicing setting those boundaries and being comfortable enough to have those conversations Mm -hmm. because I as a male have not had to deal with what it's like to not have a voice because mm-hmm. and that that is a whole another conversation we can have for another about topic male about male privilege mm-hmm. but i have found that my female partners don't feel as confident telling me what their boundaries are mm-hmm. they have been met with aggression in the past when they talked about their boundaries
0: we're we're taught that yes you're supposed to have boundaries but you also might have to like give in and you yeah. might have to compromise those boundaries exactly. but Yeah, we're also taught from a young age that our boundaries don't always matter. Exactly. As a woman. Yeah. So now your your partners all know each other, right? Yes, they do. Yeah. So of course I, you know, we're friends on social media. Mm -hmm. So I I saw your I think it was at Christmas time Mm -hmm. that you had a post with all of them. It was so cute. (laughs) But you know, not not every polyamorous relationship is like that where all the partners actually know each other. Some people are like, I know of this person, but I've never met. So I'm curious what that experience was like and what, what some of the great parts about introducing partners have been, what maybe some of the, the pitfalls have been.
1: Absolutely. So I am so lucky to have partners who do get along. Um, and what I mean by that is they're not best friends. They don't hang out all the time. They don't talk all the time, but they understand that they're a part of my life. Mm-hmm. And in being a part of my life, that means interacting with their metamors or their other their partner's partner, yeah, essentially.
0: Metamore is that, yeah, partner's yes, partner, your yep. partner's
1: partner. Um, and I can say I am hands off when it comes to their relationships, and I have found that that is the best practice for me. If they want to establish relationships among themselves, that is up to them. Gotcha. I don't dictate if they hang out together, if they hang out with me. Um, and I have found that some partners are closer than others. And that's totally okay. Mm -hmm. I am not looking for, nor would I ever look for, all of my partners to be best friends. That's impossible. It's like having all of your friends from different groups all get together and be like, all of you need to be friends. And I don't care if it's uncomfortable, be friends. No, that's not how life works. (laughs) And I have definitely run into some pitfalls with this and have learned the hard way that that's not how this works. Mm -hmm. Um, And the best way to avoid... Some of the pitfalls that I've had is open and honest communication. Oh, imagine that. No, it's like, wait, I started to like maybe be scared about introducing like new ideas to all of my partners Mm -hmm. and that caused problems. Oh no. And then what happened is I decided that I was going to have all of my partners come to my house without their knowledge because I had really big news that I was going to share with them. Uh huh. That was a terrible idea.
0: So they sh- each one shows up and they're like, who the fuck is this?
1: Oh man, like the <laughs> looks on their faces when they all showed up because it was just a, a really trivial information, but it was information that affected everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: because I didn't want it to be impersonal over social media and it was really difficult to get all of their schedules together, I was like, okay, I just need to tell them. I'm just going to get them here. I'm going to, and it, it'll be fine. It was not fine. My partners were upset. I could see that they were visibly, like physically uncomfortable there and mm-hmm. sat there for out of respect for me. But afterwards, I had to have four different conversations about how that was not okay. And boy, let me tell you four different conversations about when you have fucked up <laughs> is not fine.
0: See, that is one thing monogamous people have over polyamorous people. You fuck up, you just get yelled at once.
1: Once! (laughs) I wish (laughs) monogamous, people who in monogamous relationships understood how much more work. You think that it's just all fun and everyone's getting together. No. It is relationship work on top of relationship work multiplied by like 20. Mm -hmm. And it's just a part of the lifestyle. And it's worth it but it is what it yeah. is.
0: Do you feel like there's a lot more having to manage other people's emotions and other people's expectations in polyamory?
1: Absolutely. Um, honestly, that's a daily occurrence. Mm-hmm. And it's. I say that not saying it in a bad way, but because I have four partners, I have four partners who have any given emotion on that day. And managing the emotional support that I can provide is difficult from time to time because you will have times where you have more than one partner who's having a rough day or a rough week and might need a little more of your time, whether it's physically or over the phone or Mm -hmm. just however you can provide it. And one thing that I have noticed that has helped me at least with the emotional support is understanding when I'm full and when I'm empty.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Because I'm the type of person that will give until there's nothing left. And the bad part about that, especially in non-monogamy, and if you're splitting your time with emotional support, physical support, psychological support, whatever it may be, if you're running empty, you're not helping anyone. Yeah. And I ran into a situation where I was so empty as far as emotional support, and there were so many people around me that needed it, that I started hurting my relationships more than helping them when I tried to step in with an empty energy level, with empty nothing to give. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good that you recognize that about yourself. Mm-hmm. And obviously it took some time to recharge your batteries and figure mm-hmm. things out cuz you seem like you're no longer running on empty.
1: I feel so much better. It's called this this crazy term called self-care.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Funny how that works. Yeah. When you start taking care of yourself, you're better able to take care of your relationships it's and other people around you. Yeah. It's
1: it's this really crazy magical thing. It really is. <laughs>
0: Well, what do you do for self-care then?
1: Um, so we actually had to set up, I feel like I'm back in college. We had to set up a structure throughout the week mm-hmm. where I have me days and I have partner days. Gotcha. And mm-hmm. on my me days, I do everything self-care related. I have three me days a week. They're mm-hmm. Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. Mm-hmm. And I play video games. I hang out with friends. I play tennis. I ride my moped. I do all of the things that make me happy. Mm-hmm. And they're for me. They're not for my partners. They're not to make someone else happy. They're to make me happy. Gotcha. And that's the big distinguishing factor that I've made over the past few months because I noticed that on my me days, I was still doing things for other people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even though they weren't around, I was still doing things for other people. Gotcha. And the
0: Kind of the side work or the like anticipating for tomorrow yes. and that kind of stuff. Yes,
1: prepping for when I did have... Partner days (laughs) is what they turned into. And
0: that's definitely not a me day, is it? No.
1: No, it's not. And again, let me tell you, when you fuck up and there are four partners to yell at you about you not taking a proper self-care day, (laughs) you sit down and you play video games all day long out of fear (laughs) of what's going to happen if you don't.
0: (laughs) Well, I, I love that you Figured out that that was kind of what you needed that is I can I can only imagine mm-hmm. trying to divide your attention and your energy amongst multiple people mm-hmm. just how, how draining that can be absolutely um, especially for someone like you that's highly empathic mm-hmm. and just senses other people's energies you know that it's easy to get drained but yes um, it's definitely important to recharge yourself so. yes. i am glad that you figured that out about yourself
1: I am too because I was kind of drowning. <laughs> and that's never a good place to be when you're trying to take care of other relationships. Yeah, no. for sure. For mm-hmm.
0: sure. So, you know, with poly folks, okay, there's definitely older folks or mm. poly or open or whatever, but it is definitely kind of a young person's game, I would say.
1: Yes. Yes and no. Yes and no. Yes and no. I think the term poly is new. Mm-hmm. The lifestyle itself has been around for a very, very long time. The idea of non-monogamy, uh, I feel like, has been practiced, just practiced underground, mm-hmm. unfortunately, due to a lot of the stigma yeah. around that yeah. relationship structure.
0: Or we've made it into things like bigamy and stuff like that. And you know, we see it in other cultures or exactly. other religions exactly. that they practice having multiple partners, multiple spouses, and things like that. And we either make that illegal or exactly. we look down upon or we it. We villainize, it, villainize it, or... it, especially with like Islam. Yeah. Some, yes. some practitioners of islam have multiple spouses it's, exactly. although it is very male-centric yes it's the man that can have multiple wives not the woman who can have multiple husbands exactly. even though well, muhammad was like his first wife's second or third husband whatever it may be right anyway we right. will get into that but i i don't know, i've just i've seen a, such a shift especially i think since the mid two thousands is mm-hmm. really where I feel like I started hearing more and more about open relationships mm-hmm. and polyamory. And now it's now it's on T V. Yes. Now there's people talking about it in the media. There's entire podcasts devoted to the lifestyle. Right. So I I just think that what do you think it is about society that's caused this shift?
1: Hmm. I think a lot of this shift can be contributed to several things. I think a lot of the the huge movement within the LGBTQ plus community has shed a lot of light on the different, rela- how how different relationships could look and the people in them, mm-hmm. and that opened up the door. Or not necessarily opened up the door, but that also kind of while you're observing. And kind of researching this different lifestyle, you start to understand that there are different ways to go about being with people. And once you kind of shed, and it took a lot of deprogramming, once you shed mm-hmm. what you've been taught, you realize that, oh my gosh, like this, and I love this new generation, like they are on top of it as far as consent. We know mm-hmm. how to identify people. We have all of the beautiful identification within the uh, trans community. Mm-hmm. We've got, uh, especially within the black trans community, the black LGBTQ community, with all of this new surgence of identification, it was only natural that people within the relationship structures that were outside the norm, that they needed some type of uh, light.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So n- with this new generation of, individuals who identify as more than just male, as more than just female, as more than just straight, as more than just gay, we need a relationship structure that's going to cater to that. Yeah. And I think that's why poly is starting to appeal to more people these days because we are having more freedom of identifying and that is... Allowing all sorts of cool shit to pop up, man. It's great. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I think I would agree with you that I think queer folk were some of the ones to really shed light on open and polyamorous relationships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about how, um, you know, gay men have been practicing poly and open lifestyles. And Since straight people need to <laughs> learn a lesson or two from them. Exactly. But, but yeah, I, I would agree with you that I think it was the... Um, Increased exposure for queer folk mm-hmm. kind of led to, like, well, let's also talk about this, too.
1: Exactly. So,
0: yeah. What what are some of the misconceptions that you think people have about poly lifestyle?
1: Hmm. There are so many misconceptions about poly. I think the biggest misconception that a lot of people have is that polyamorous relationships are male-focused. Mm-hmm. Um, And that is a big misconception simply based on the patriarchal society that we live in and the past experiences we've had of other non-monogamous relationships. And what I mean by that is you'll notice that in other relationship structures like polygamy, you had, like like we mentioned, one man, several wives, and the wives are not allowed to have any other partners. Polyamory is different because your partners, female, or however they decide to identify, can have partners that are of any gender it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. because a relationship is a relationship is a relationship regardless of what they got going on downstairs if they're making you happy sweetie keep it going (laughs) and i think that's the big misconception because i've had personally i have had people say dude you look like you're building a harem how's that going and i said that was one picture on facebook Thank you very much. No, they all... Not all. I will take that back. Only some of my partners have other partners. And some, I actually have decided to stay monogamous within our relationship. Mm -hmm. And they have the freedom to date if they'd like, but they're choosing not to.
0: I think that's an important point to realize, too, that even even people who are poly-minded, that doesn't mean that at all times that they have multiple partners.
1: Exactly. It
0: can ebb and flow. Maybe there's something going on with you personally or with your relationship, and for a time, you mm-hmm. decide, I just don't have time to go out and find somebody else. I don't have time for this other person. I need to focus on myself and my primary partner.
1: Exactly. And so
0: for now, nobody else. Exactly. And then when you're comfortable again or life settles or your stress or whatever goes away, then you can open it back up. Or again, you just don't have a connection with that person, so you end it and wait for somebody else to come into your life that you do have a connection with. Exactly. So I think that is something that I, I even had a misconception about. Like, oh, poly people are just always with multiple people, but mm-hmm. not recognizing that there can be the ebb and flow. You can Absolutely. go in and out of it.
1: Yes, so. and the ebb and flow I think is very important to touch on because there are there's a new term that just came out the other day actually. I think it's called uh, I think it's ambiamorous.
0: Ambiamorous. Hmm.
1: And it's a distinction that the individual who identifies as ambiamorous mm-hmm. is either open to monogamous or polyamorous relationships. Okay. And the reason that distinction is important Is because when you walk into a polyamorous relationship or a polyamorous environment, you assume everyone's poly and they're probably only looking Mm -hmm. for poly. Mm -hmm. And then you probably think vice versa for, or the exact opposite for monogamy. Yeah. This person who identifies as an ambiamorous is open to either relationship structure and it's simply based on where they're at in their life and Mm. what they need. And you'll find that in poly relationship structures, just like mine, certain partners, they get busy with work, they get busy with projects and they don't have time for other relationships Mm -hmm. and so it very much turns into a what would feel like a monogamous relationship however I still have three other partners I still have two other partners and they're totally okay sharing that time and having that time and when I'm not around that's time for themselves that's Mm -hmm. time that they get to work on whatever they want to work on and build themselves up and when they're ready to have another relationship they can or they may not again it's completely up to them Mm -hmm.
0: One thing, one distinction that a friend of mine taught me, and I feel like I've had to really absorb this, is that having something on the side or having someone else mm-hmm. doesn't diminish your feelings for another person. So if you've got your primary partner and you bring on a secondary or a third or whatever, that it's, it's very separate, that you are getting different things from that person, but it doesn't take away. And I think that's something that monogamous folk think that if if you were sharing of yourself or having sex with someone else, that Mm -hmm. it diminishes, it takes away from the other relationship rather than seeing them as two very separate things.
1: Absolutely. I have found that that is a huge misconception. And I learned that there's this, well, well, there's this term that, uh, I don't remember the uh, author off the top of my head, unfortunately, but they use this term called your love tank. Mm -hmm. And... They talk about how your love tank can refill and how some people think that your love tank has a cap on how much it can refill when Mm -hmm. it's starting to get empty. And personally, I don't think that that's true. Some people think that in a monogamous relationship, if you go out and you decide that you're going to get your love tank filled by someone else, it doesn't necessarily take away from the love that you have for your partner, all it does is fill their tank up. And some people might take that as a personal attack of, well, I'm the person that's supposed to be recharging them. Mm -hmm. I'm the person that's Mm -hmm. supposed to be providing that and filling up their tank. And the thing is, let's say you work 12 hours every day and your partner's tank is empty every day and you come home from work and you have to fill up your partner's tank every single day.
0: I wish listeners could see my face right now because I was like... Ooh, that's,
1: that's a lot of work to put on your partner so sometimes it's beneficial to have someone else filling up your partner's love tank but at the same time you need to make sure that your love tank is being filled too and if your partner going out and getting their tank filled and coming back and it fills your tank that's great but if your partner needs their tank filled and you need your tank filled and that requires you both staying at home and being at home and spending time with each other then that might be a conversation that you have to have it just depends on what's going to refill that love tank. And trust me, it's not, uh, how, how would you put it? There's no cap on that. There's no cap on the love that you can send out.
0: So maybe what we need to think of is it's like a love lake. Because lakes yes. can just, you know, sometimes they, they overflow and sometimes yes. they're low um rather than like a tank that like you say it's a vessel that you has you know four sides and or what, eight sides <laughs> exactly <laughs> six sides four six yeah math six. No, we're that not mathing be, here whatever. no no it, mathing it, <laughs> it, it could be a sphere that's fine but yeah just that it's uh, a defined amount yes yeah, so there is no defined amount of love and affection and exactly. all those things that we really need so
1: i think about it this way think about your parents and if you have a sibling do you think that your parents showing love to your sibling takes away from the love that they have from you?
0: Luckily, I am know my child, but...
1: <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I love my siblings if they're listening.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I guess I, I see what you mean. Yes. Yeah. It's that there may be a difference yes. in how parents may see the individual differences in their kids. Exactly. But overall, they essentially love all their children equally
1: exactly hopefully in an ideal hopefully. in, an, in ideal an ideal family situation. yes situation you're your unless you got
0: five do. kids and one of them's just a little shit and in that case <laughs> man you just <laughs>
1: right. but i i do i do want to stress that for people who think that your partner going out and whether it's emotional support whatever type of support they're getting it's not taking away from your relationship If you feel like it's taking away from your relationship, and I have felt this feeling before, I had to take a look at myself and understand where that feeling was coming from, and it came from personal insecurities that Mm. I had. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily that my partner was taking away from our relationship, it's that I was worried that because my partner was getting some type of support somewhere else, that my support might no longer longer be necessary. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And so once I identified that that was the... Insecurity that was driving that emotion. I was able to address that, and then in turn address my partner and say, "Hey, this is how I felt. I want you to know that I felt this way about you, either going on that date or being with that person or doing whatever. But I want you to know that I love you, and it wasn't about you. It was completely about me, and I just needed to check in with you and tell you how I was feeling about our relationship. Mm-hmm. And that has been literally life changing for my partners and I.
0: Like can I say it seems like you're a little bit more um, in tune with your emotions than a lot of? You know, men.
1: A little bit, <laughs> I was the I was sensitive kid. I was the one hanging out with the girls and like enjoyed talking about what we were feeling and things like that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. A little bit. A little yeah. bit, maybe. So
0: <laughs> I, I do wish that there were more more men that were a little bit more in tune with their emotions and could could talk about these things and express express themselves as, as freely as you do. I mean, I will say the older I get, the more I do encounter men who, who are a little bit more in tune. But man, there's a lot of them out there. And, I shouldn't say just men. There's a lot of women out there who mm-hmm. also are not okay and secure with being vulnerable
1: and Absolutely. being honest.
0: So maybe it's more of a societal condition than Absolutely. it is male or female. I should pull myself back from
1: that. Well, I, I, no, I don't think you should because males definitely, I, and I would say not overarching, <laughs> but in the society that we live in, we have not created an environment that is conducive for males to learn how to express their emotions. And it is very much more appropriate for women to express their emotions in more environments than there are males. Yeah. So there are cultural things that are influencing that, in my mm-hmm. opinion. But I agree. Everyone probably has some type of like relationship tick in their head that is not allowing them to express themselves the way that they need to to have a conducive, beautiful, co-creating relationship. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see not just males, but females and anybody who identifies as anything else (laughs) to start working on those forms of communication because the three big things that help me in any relationship, whether it's poly, whether it's a friend, whether it's a boss, is honesty, open communication, and trust. And those are the three things that I build not just my romantic relationships on, but any relationship in life.
0: That's beautiful. I love that. I think that... um, Yes, people would be a lot more successful in life if they followed this, those three principles right there. Life's simple, man. It like really
1: is. People are like, how did it you is. learn this? That's so, like, wow, like, existentially beautiful. And I'm like, I work with kids, and, like, there's a sign on my wall that says, be kind, be respectful, and, you know, all sorts of really simple things mm-hmm. that adults should probably read more often, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah is that the b a to z sign because there's a company here in town that's made this b and there's like a to z of like different things
1: i don't know if that's the sign i'll find you one of
0: those because y- that would be good for your classroom though.
1: absolutely please yeah. find one of those cool. yes it's, a,
0: it's from be who you are Ooh. she's got her own clothing line here in town and she's got this fabulous but she'll be at pride you'll be at pride right yes i will absolutely Hell yeah, be at Pride. Be at pride. Mm. yeah Pride Festival in KC is a hell of a lot of fun. You know,
1: I just, it's the aftermath (laughs) that I am always dreading. And I tell myself every year, I'm like, I'm going to take it easy this year. I'm going to go for a bit and then come back and then like maybe nap and then watch a show. No. No. It's a two to three day event every time.
0: Going to a a music festival for three days, for sure. It's that kind of energy. Mm -hmm, But it's
1: such beautiful energy, and you meet such amazing, wonderful people. The love there is just overwhelming.
0: The LGBT plus community here in Kansas City is actually very large, Mm -hmm. very well-connected. Yes, it is. And just very open. Mm -hmm. Um, I love our lgbt chamber of commerce Mm -hmm. they're also very out there like i think a lot of people are very surprised by how progressive kansas city is when it comes to both lgbt issues and again the poly and open community it just it's not what you would expect like you say in the bible we have our challenges we do we have our challenges for sure um but i think that people are often surprised when I get here and find, wow, there's actually like thriving communities here and big events and Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. One thing that I think we're lucky to have here in Kansas City is that Midwest mentality. Where everyone's uh, so nice to each other. Everyone's so nice to each other. <laughs> yes. And while for some parts of the country that's really weird, mm-hmm. I think it's really beautiful and awesome because there is this natural like urge to just reach out and just say hi or hello as you're walking down the street here Mm -hmm. and that just naturally opens up the conversation for whatever it is that you might be able to connect on Mm -hmm. and I think that has a lot to do with the amazing community that Kansas City has and the fact that we've been able to thrive with the LGBTQ community and with any intentional community that I've seen created because the arts community is huge here. the With Crossroads, with Waldo, the The Nelson part, Atkins Nelson. is the best
0: art museum in the country. And This yeah.
1: city, man. This yes. city is wonderful. And I, I would highly encourage anyone who is thinking about getting into any type of alternative lifestyle, get on Facebook, get on Instagram, find a community. Meetup? Oh, Meetup. Yes, get on Meetup. I
0: was going to ask you about that. So do you do Meetups?
1: I don't do Meetups, okay. but I have friends that do
0: Okay, because I was curious, Are I know that there's like munches for the kink community. Yes. I go every Wednesday night, to so not every Wednesday Yes, Rhythm and Boots. Love it. I shouldn't say every I go regularly.
1: Ah, gotcha.
0: Is, is there something equivalent to that for people who are in the poly lifestyle or thinking about it? Oh,
1: there are so many different polyamorous groups here in Kansas City. Cool. I would highly suggest Facebook mm-hmm. is a great place to start searching for groups that are available. Um I would also, if people are familiar with FetLife, Yes. Um, it is a really great, it's more geared towards kink and people who are into the kink in, uh, community, but there's a huge non-monogamous scene there as well in Kansas City. Cool. So I would highly suggest going to Munches or that's just, you know, when you sit down and eat with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Um, there are polyamorous meetup groups that do game nights. They do movie nights. There are cuddle parties, which are amazing.
0: Yeah. Um. <laughs> I have a friend who's wanting to do that. She just, she wants to be part of a cuddle party. Oh. Oh, they're such yeah. a good she's actually time. going through um, cancer treatments right now oh. and is kind of just lacking that personal a affection physical touch. and physical touch. Yes. So I was like, well, what about you know a cuddle party or something? As a massage <laughs> therapist. Yeah.
1: All over it. I'm I, gonna connect
0: her with you because yes. she's I mean, she's actually the one who helped me over my my dating time since my divorce, she helped me embrace the idea of not settling down and building up a harem.
1: Yes. So, do it, girl. Um, I have a
0: lot of um, I have a lot of gratitude in my heart for her for helping me, mm-hmm. so I need to return that um, that love and that, well, that gratitude by helping connect her with people to yes, help her, her in my her way. situation. So perfect. I knew. I, see, that's the thing. All these things exist. Mm-hmm. They are out there. It's just how do you find them? Exactly. So yeah, Life, I think is a great resource for a lot of people, and that's often where I refer people to, and like doesn't matter what you want mm-hmm. there is somebody out there that wants it to trust me or who will give it to you so yeah. just hop on and
1: find it exactly it's, it's out there. you are not alone trust me
0: yes and i think that's honestly ultimately what a lot of people are just looking for is a little bit of validation and a little bit of normalization yes that i am not the only one
1: Yes. there is
0: somebody out there that loves my freak flag yes I'm gonna let it fly
1: there is someone that will dig your brand of weird you just gotta show them what that brand of weird is yes trust me
0: if only we could all have t-shirts or something made (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: I'm into it there's plenty of t-shirt companies in Kansas City hell
0: yeah hell yeah I have so many ideas for t-shirts oh my god
1: you and me both it's okay we'll start our own company perfect right
0: what I've done for my brand lately is like a funky or fun t-shirt or like a feminist t-shirt and a cute little blazer. So I love my um, America Needs Nasty Women t-shirt. I
1: love that one. I I saw that that one one on Facebook and I was like, Mm -hmm. you know what? If my bank account wasn't so low right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I often put that t-shirt on when I say I need to um, kick some ass or stir the pot.
1: Hell yeah. And it works. Mm -hmm. Not that you need the t-shirt to do that.
0: This is true. Mm -hmm. I've always been a little bit of a pot stirrer and ass kicker. Oh, feisty. Can you imagine that? No. Mm Oh, no. no, Not at all. Not at all.
1: I don't remember our first time meeting at the coffee shop and the obscenities that were coming out of your mouth ten minutes into the conversation.
0: I do say fuck a lot.
1: It's wonderful. Fuck's a wonderful word.
0: Didn't you see the research that said that people that cuss more are more honest?
1: Exactly. More honest and, I've read in some places, more intelligent.
0: I'm fucking smartest. <laughs> right? I am the
1: smartest fucking person in the world. <laughs> I'm also
0: one of the funniest bitches you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. Well, Marcel, uh, this has been such a fascinating conversation.
1: Thank you so much. It has been amazing. I
0: appreciate that you were open enough to to be on Keep mm-hmm. Them Coming.
1: Uh huh. Don't you just
0: let my, <laughs> my podcast name keep them coming with <sighs> Open the Horse I mind.
1: saw that that was the name and absolutely fell in love. <laughs> I love double entendres. I, like, Who I can't help myself. Doesn't in the sex community, if you don't have double entendres, what are you doing? I know.
0: did you ever notice my title on my business card
1: I don't think I did
0: owner and head coach oh (laughs)
1: sweetie that is gold can I tell Uh, you it's only
0: people in the gay community that get the head coach double entendre that
1: is so gold (laughs) I have to share that with uh, my partner's brother actually he is going to love that he wears every time I see him he wears a a big hat that says gay as fuck and a big rainbow uh, on the front of it. And he is just one of my favorite human beings of all I time. I love him already mm-hmm. and I don't even know him. Oh, he's feisty. Love Trust it. me. Love Sassy it. as can be. You'll love him.
0: <laughs> I need like, bye bitch. Or, but not B-Y-E, B-I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. B-I.
1: There you go. Yeah. Bye. bye bitch.
0: <laughs> you know, that's, that is one thing we didn't touch on. And maybe something we can talk in, about, about in a future podcast is about bisexuality and bi representation and all that stuff and even how that plays out in the poly lifestyle and all that stuff absolutely
1: so. that would be an awesome conversation
0: another another conversation another day
1: yes I will
0: okay well again thank you so much yes
1: thank you for having me i'll have
0: you back again i promise sounds good okay all right good Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open The Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. You can find me on pretty much any social media platform, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. But visit my website if you're wanting more information about my coaching services. You can even sign up for my email newsletter. I've got one that's not so safe for work called The Dirty Bird. A lot more adult content on that one. You can support this podcast through listener support on Anchor FM. Or you can go to Patreon.com and become one of my patrons. Just look for Open the Doors KC. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Thanks for listening.